Welcome to Sabbath School brought to you by It Is Written. We're delighted to have you with us as we begin a brand new quarter. And the subject that we're looking at this quarter is a fascinating one. It is one about which there is a great deal of misunderstanding. There is some apprehension. And yet there's also a lot of peace and encouragement. This quarter, we're looking at the subject of death, dying, and the future hope. And here on our Sabbath School program, we are delighted to have the author of this quarter's lesson, Dr. Alberto Tim. He is an associate director of the Ellen G. White Estate. Dr. Tim, welcome. We're delighted to have you with us. I am very delighted to be with you. It's a pleasure for me to be to join you. So this is an interesting subject, the subject of death. A, a lot of people wonder about it. A lot of people worry about it. A lot of people feel that they pretty well got it down and understand it and have it all figured out and so forth. And yet it is a subject that we want to spend some time on because even when we think we've got it all figured out, there may be some things for us to learn and, and maybe some things that we could share with others as well. So give us an idea of, of kind of the scope of where we're going to be going this quarter. We've got 13 weeks ahead of us. 13 lessons, 13 studies on this subject. What are some things that we're going to be covering and why is this so important? Actually, we are covering uh, many different subjects, especially when it comes to the theories that are uh, available today. There are many different perspectives that we have and uh, world religions around the globe have proposed different approaches to it, different understandings of what happens when somebody dies. But uh, what we really want to do is to cover the Bible, what the Bible has to say and how the Bible explains it within the framework of the great cosmic historical controversy between good and evil. And uh, I think that this is a major topic for us to understand due to the many different uh, uh, expressions of mysticism, spiritualism, and different theories that we have since the most remote times of human history. So I think that we need really to have a clear understanding of the Bible concept of this topic in a time where we have a huge mosaic of philosophical and ideological um, proposition, expressions. So we're launching into this right now, and, and we're kind of studying, at least loosely, uh, the Sabbath School, Adult Sabbath School Bible Study Guide, the, the quarterly uh, studies, as it were. But this didn't just happen. I mean, a, a, a quarterly didn't just appear one day. It had an origin. So how far back does this lesson go? When did it kind of start coming into being? What was the impetus that, uh, that caused it to be and so forth? Give, give us a little history. Well, some four years, I don't know exactly the date, but my friend Cliff Goldstein asked me to write a Sabbath School quarterly. And we discussed a few possibilities. And finally, he said, I want you to write on this topic the the state of the dead. And then I asked him, but why do you want me to do something on this matter? He said, because there is a need. Many people worldwide are really having doubts, asking questions. They are faced with this kind of 
even near-death experiences that are available today or very much popular in our days and other kinds of experiences. People in different places of the world have influences from different world religions that do not fit with the Bible, and we need a solid ground from the Bible to understand this topic. So that was the beginning of the whole process. And of course, it took time really to uh, to dig into it from a historical perspective a little bit and also from the biblical, uh, what the Bible has to say. So it's been several years in the making. It's a subject that has has plagued humanity with misconceptions over the years and, and misconceptions that still exist today. Uh, different mindsets, different worldviews, different philosophies, as you mentioned. And our first lesson here really kind of lays the framework or the groundwork or the foundation for where we're going to be going over the course of the next several weeks. It's called Rebellion in a Perfect Universe. So God, we know, is good. What he makes is good, good, and very good. He knows the end from the beginning but yet we have this problem of of sin. We have this problem of death that we see in existence today. How do we explain this this good and evil, this right and wrong that we see in the world today? Sometimes even even a blending of the two. Somehow sin happened. I don't know if that's the word that I feel completely comfortable with, but I, I lack a better one at the moment. How did, how did this begin? Why are we in the, the situation that we're in right now? Some people believe that evil started in the Garden of Eden. But you have to remember that at the Garden of Eden, there was, prior to the fall of Adam and Eve, there was a serpent. And then comes the question, and what was the, the origin of the serpent tempting Adam and Eve? So it brings us back into some kind of, uh, I don't don't know if we should call it a proto-history, but prior to human history, there was something going on. Of course, there are different theories. For instance, some people say that evil is just an illusion. There is no evil as such. Other ones say that God and evil are co-eternal. So they had a, did not have a beginning. And, and some people even argue in this way. If there is good, to go, uh, for good to be considered as such, to be good, it has to always exist in contrast to evil. So evil would be co-eternal with good. And other ones even argue that God is the source of bo- both good and evil. But if we study the Bible, and we have many passages that deal with this, uh, the Bible is very clear of saying that evil is not eternal. It had a beginning, and the beginning took place with an angel in heaven called Lucifer, who rebelled against God, and who really was the beginning of everything and even convinced other angelical beings and finally it came to this earth. So this is just a framework for us to start our discussion. You speak of of Lucifer kind of being part of the origin of evil. Our memory verse for this week is from the book of Isaiah. 
It's Isaiah chapter 14 and verse number 12. I'm going to go ahead and read that here. Uh, Isaiah 14 verse 12 says, How you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning. How you are cut down to the ground, you who weakened the nations. So here's this, this picture of Lucifer, a perfect being. God created a perfect being, but then something happened. What, what kind of evidence do we have in the Bible of, or do we have evidence in the Bible of, of what happened or why it happened or how it happened or what, how did sin get in here? How did rebellion have an, 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 an initial starting point or something along those lines? When it comes to the beginning, and you remember that neither of us was alive when it came um, into existence, so we are dependent of the eyewitnesses, and no better than God himself who was there when these things happened. And actually, we have three key Bible passages that help us to understand the origin of evil. And uh, one of those is Ezekiel chapter 28. And uh, that chapter is a very significant one. And there it speaks about the earthly king of Tyre. And uh, that king was considered himself, he was considering himself as a god, somebody that really was very powerful and who really uh, ended up uh, very proud of his uh, uh, his uh, beauty, his power, his uh, whatever else you want to add. But it's very interesting, the movement in this chapter, and you can study it later on. I am referring to Ezekiel chapter 28. And uh, this earthly king then later on assumes as a symbol, as a type, as a figure of uh, angelical being. So, this early king represented an uh, angelic being, and that being really was very proud of himself, of his beauty, his, his uh, wisdom, and so on. And there you see immediately that kind of change from the earthly to the heavenly realms. You have something similar also in Isaiah chapter 14. And there now is the king of Babylon, another earthly king. And he also was a symbol of Lucifer. The, it, it starts with a human being and then it moves to angelical being. So that kind of transi transition in the chapter is very significant and we have to take into consideration but then you go to chapter 12 of the book of Revelation, and there it says that there was actually some kind of war in heaven. Not only a clash of ideas, of ideologies, but it was really an actual war, the chapter says. And there was Michael fighting against this uh, Lucifer or dragon, the old serpent, and finally he was expelled from heaven. So that was basically the beginning of it. It was in the heavenly courts that it happened. And it then later on spread to this earth. And so we're, we're living in the middle of that right now. And uh, Alberto, you made mention of, of Ezekiel chapter 28. I'm going to read just a couple of short passages here. They're, they're fascinating. 
In uh, Ezekiel 28, it says in verse number 12, you were the seal of perfection, the seal of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. Then drop down to verse number 14. It says, you were the anointed cherub who covers. I established you. You were on the holy mountain of God. You walked back and forth in the midst of the fiery stones. You were perfect in your ways from the day you were created till iniquity was found in you. We're going to come back in just a couple of minutes and look at this this concept of perfection that God had brought into existence. And and Lucifer here was a, a perfect being. And yet, somehow, in the midst of this perfection, somehow imperfection reared its head. And we're going to dig into that when we come back in just a moment. But before we go to our quick break, I want to encourage you, if you are interested or if you know someone who is really interested in digging into this subject more deeply, I want to encourage you to pick up the companion book to this quarter's Bible study guide. It is called On Death, Dying, and the Future Hope. And, of course, the author is Dr. Alberto Tim, who is our guest here on Sabbath School today. You can pick that up at itiswritten.shop. Again, that's itiswritten.shop, the name of the companion book on death, dying, and the future hope. We're going to be back in just a moment as we look more deeply into this concept of perfection and how imperfection came from it. We'll be right back. If you enjoy coloring, then you are going to love the Buried Treasure Coloring Book from My Place with Jesus. The Buried Treasure Coloring Book has more than just pictures to color. You'll also enjoy activity pages, each accompanied by their very own audio story. Mr. Dixon came across a small, well-weeded rice patch out in the middle of a field. Get ahead of a rainy day or a relaxing evening as a family and order the Buried Treasure Coloring Book from It Is Written. More and more people are watching It Is Written TV. They're watching their favorite It Is Written programs, listening to inspiring sermon series, and much more. They're watching them here, here, and even here. See for yourself why people are turning to It Is Written TV to watch their favorite Christian programs live and on demand. Watch It Is Written TV for free anytime on Roku, Apple TV, and at itiswritten.tv. Welcome back to Sabbath School, brought to you by It Is Written. We are continuing our study into a brand new quarter, looking at death, dying, and the future hope. And we left off with this question about, if God created everything perfect, including Lucifer, what happened? So, how do we, how do we understand this concept of evil in a perfect Universe, Alberto, can you help us to understand that a little bit better? I don't can't help you to understand for one simple reason. Evil is something absolutely mysterious. There is no way for us to explain the origin of evil. We can, of course, say we know with whom it started. Basically, it, it was in heaven. But the the evil really exists, but has no way to be explained as such. Has a mysterious, uh, unreasonable, uh, 
under, uh, understanding and beginning. In this way, uh, some theologians, and I refer, for instance, to Berkauer, is a Dutch theologian. He even says that there is no reason, there is no way of explaining it. And Ellen White says, if we would be able to find a reasonable way of explaining uh, evil, we, ju- we would end up justifying the existence of evil. So it has no reason to exist as such. It's absolutely mysterious. What we know is that God created human beings, including Lucifer and the rebellious angels, with free will, and they misused free will. But how it happened is something that absolutely unexplainable. I think for, for dealing with something that is unexplainable, you did an excellent job of explaining that concept. It's, it's something that if we could explain it, somehow it would, it would cease to, it would seem like, as you said, it would seem justifiable because we could say, okay, now I understand why. But there is no understanding why. It simply is, and it came into being. But let's, let's step back just a little bit. We know that Lucifer rebelled. He became Satan. He became the adversary. He became the devil, a perfect angel God created, and he rebelled. But then sometimes people ask the question, but didn't God know that Lucifer would rebel? If God knows the end from the beginning, if he knew what was going to happen, why did he create Lucifer to begin with? Or why did he create Lucifer with the ability to do what he did? Why didn't God just not create him and save us all this, this pain and anguish? How would you answer someone who asked a question like that? There are several elements that we have to bring together to understand this matter um, better. One of those is the very nature of God. God is love. And you know that love cannot live in isolation. Love only exists if if it's expressed to somebody. And to express it, the person has to be receptive to love should respond also. And this does not happen with machines or uh, what uh, things, or if somebody would not have free will, would not work either. So God created beings, angelical beings in heaven and human beings also capable of responding. But granting free will to somebody, you always face the risk. And that was the case of God. But at the same time, uh, God is love, and he would like to face this risk. Of course, God knows the, the end from the beginning, and God was not taken by surprise. He knew that Lucifer would rebel. But even so, he faced the risk and uh, created him, because God's foreknowledge or his uh, knowledge of the future, is absolute but is not causative. Some people say, well, if God knew and created, then he is responsible for evil. Not the case. For one reason, because he was the one that would have to pay, pay the price for the rebellion of Lucifer. And that is what he paid on the cross. Uh, through the life and death of Jesus Christ. But remember, God knows the future. 
is something like, let's suppose that you decide to get married. You know that sometimes marriage does not work, but for the sake of love, because you love somebody, even knowing that there are possibilities, you want to face the risk. So God didn't, God's not responsible for evil. He's not responsible for death. He's not responsible for sin. But Lucifer exercised his freedom to choose, and he exercised it, we might say, poorly. And as a result of that, we live in the world that we live in today. Let's take a look at at evil, at at sin, at death from from a slightly different perspective here. God is eternal. He had no beginning, and he has no end. We live in a universe that, at least as far as we're aware, had some sort of a beginning. It's continuing through the time that we're in right now, and something's going to happen to it in the future. What about evil? How does evil fit into this into this cosmic timeline that we find ourselves in? We, we know that it had a beginning, because we read about that in the Bible, in the several passages you talked about in Ezekiel and Isaiah and Revelation chapter 12. Evil had a beginning. Is it Is it reasonable to hope, dare we hope, that evil is also going to have an end at some point? Definitely so. Uh, Because evil was never a a part of God's plan. Some people claim that evil is part of God's plan through predestination, because then he could show his love. But God does not need evil to show his love because he could really show his love and he did so prior to the rebellion of Lucifer, his angels, and then later on uh, human beings as well. But uh, there is one crucial point in this whole discussion. Within this great controversy between uh, God and Satan, good and evil, Satan decided to accuse God of being unjust, that his own model of government would be far better than God. God was very much into following his own agenda, his rules, and so on. And then Lucifer showed up offering some better form of government. And that was the beginning of evil. And uh, throughout human history, you could ask the question, for instance, but okay, that God allowed uh, evil to appear, but why did he not stop it uh, immediately or in the past? Well, we don't have answers to all the questions that we raise because we are in a mysterious uh, topic and we can only study mysteries as, as long as the Bible takes us. But what we know is that God allowed evil to continue throughout human history because evil has to mature and show its very nature. And I think that we are living today in one of the most crucial moments of human history where uh, our society, our world, our political systems are really almost collapsing. And it won't come to a point where it really would be either God intervenes in human history or humanity would auto-destroy or self-destroy themselves, I mean, uh, 
the, the human, human race. But as I mentioned before, God never planned evil to exist. He only allowed it to exist. So since it's not part of God's plan, definitely he is planning to put an end on it. And he knows exactly when. And human history is a long process where good and evil is struggling. And each one, good and evil, is demonstrating their own nature. And finally, evil will be destroyed. And this is the topic that we'll be studying uh, throughout this quarter. So that's encouraging. We know that evil is going to one day be destroyed. The bad news is, if we can call it bad news, I think it's appropriate... Right now, we're living in a world that seems to be just inundated with evil and sin. So we've looked briefly at Lucifer's rebellion in heaven. What lessons can we learn about Lucifer's rebellion in heaven that we could apply to our lives to help us not head that same direction? Well, there are different explanations to why or the way how Lucifer really started his rebellion. But I like a thought that is that he actually lost in a mysterious way, as we mentioned before, his thankfulness to God. He was no longer thankful to God. And in other words, he considered himself most, more important than he, that God really considered him or than he was. So proudness was a key element in his nature. And I tell you something in life. The worst thing that can happen to you and to me is if we start considering us as more important than we are, than, than we actually are. And sometimes we believe, well, I should have more recognition, be more recognized in my work here and there. I always say the following when I was a teacher, a professor of theology, I used to say, well, uh, prepare yourself the, uh, the more you can the, to the most, but don't expect too much and you will no, never be uh, frustrated. It does not mean that you cannot have ideals, but remember, proudness is the worst thing that can happen in your life and in my life. But one thing that amazes me from all this is that even knowing the nature of, sat uh, of sat Satan, uh, God decided to create him because he loves not only his own friends, but even his enemies. And this is the pattern of love that we should have. God loves even his enemies. And I tell you something, you might be surprised about this. He loves his greatest enemy, that is Satan. And this is the pattern, as I mentioned, of love that Christ in the Sermon on the Mountain mentioned that we should have as well. Dr. Tim, I want to thank you for joining us today on our study through the Sabbath school lesson. We, of course, are going to be welcoming you back again next week and the week after and the week after as we continue looking at death, dying, and the future hope. And we also hope that you will join us week after week as we continue to find encouragement and hope in God's word as we unpack it and learn more about him and his plan for your life. God bless you. Have a wonderful day and we'll look forward to seeing you again next time on Sabbath School brought to you by It Is Written.